This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review and Houston Round Ball Review Radio with a September 4th One on None podcast. In this podcast, I'm going to recap Rockets' 104-102 win over OKC in Game 7 of their first round playoff series. Preview a little bit of the Rockets-Lakers second round playoff matchup. Mention some big game-changing, potentially game-changing news in the Pac-12, as well as some uh, WNBA tidbits. Reminder? Tune in to Houston Roundball Review Radio at roundballreviewradio.airtime.pro for more audio from me as well as podcasts discussing the Houston Rockets, Houston Texans, HBCU sports, and culture as well as women's basketball. All right, September 2nd, the Rockets edged OKC 104-102 in a gritty, grimy defense, defense, defense ball game, the kind of games I like. Wasn't too much um, offense, high-powered offense, flying all around the court, layups, just like a, a pickup game. It was a game seven basketball game. Physical, players' bodies on the floor, contact, uh, missed shots, physical defense. Kudos to the Rockets. Kudos for them winning the game with their defense. Wouldn't have said that a few months ago, especially earlier in the season. James Harden did not shoot the ball well throughout the ball game. Harden struggled to make shots throughout the entire game. But that's what you have teammates for. His teammates picked up the slack. Harden was, I think, 3 for 14 from the floor. And at some point in the second half, he looked like he passed up shots and did not want to even shoot the ball. He was struggling that much. But Robert Covington and Eric Gordon picked up the slack. Each of them scored 21 points. They combined to go 11 for 20 from three-point range. Covington added 10 rebounds, three steals, and three block shots. Russell Westbrook scored 20 points on nine for 20 field goals. Those are the offensive numbers. The defensive numbers. Rockets held OKC to one bucket out of seven field goal attempts in the last 340 of the ballgame. OKC missed some layups. Chris Paul missed a pull-up jumper. But the Rockets got deflections. The Rockets got steals. And, of course, the one of the biggest plays of the ballgame. In the closing moments, Houston led 103-102 when OKC rookie and this game, the best player for OKC, Lou Dort, attempted a potential game-winning three-point shot. But James Harden soared and blocked Dort's shot attempt. Dort tried to save the ball from out of bounds, but was unsuccessful. And you could see Harden yelling with excitement after his great defensive play. The rest took forever reviewing the play to make sure the ball was out of bounds, how much time was on the clock, on and on and on. When the play initially finished, there was 0.5 seconds on the clock. After the rest reviews, they put first 1.6 seconds on the clock and then finally put 2.7 seconds on the clock. Rockets maintained possession. Rockets got possession. So that means OKC had to foul. Robert Covington was fouled. He split the free throws. So it's 104-102 Rockets with 1.4 seconds on the clock. OKC called timeout, set up an inbounds play. Before passing the ball inbounds, James Harden was called for an away from the ball foul for holding Chris Paul. Because the foul was away from the ball, that's an automatic one free throw. OKC still keeps possession. OKC forward 
Danilo Gallinari went to the line, he had been perfect from the free throw line in the bubble. 29 for 29. He missed. It was pretty much sum, summed up his performance in game seven. He was a non-factor offensively for OKC. But OKC still just down by two. After the foul shot, OKC called timeout. Set up, they called their last time out of the game, set up a play. After the timeout, Russell Westbrook was guarding the inbounder, OKC guard Shea Gildress Alexander. Russ moved away from Shea and towards Gallinari to keep Gallinari from receiving the pass. Shea was out of options to pass the ball. The five second count was on. He passed the ball to big man Steven Adams. P.J. Tucker deflected the ball. OKC did not get off a shot. Rockets win with defense. Rockets win and advance. Doesn't matter if it was pretty or not. So what? The Rockets won the game to advance to the second round. After the game, Russ said he knew where the play was going. I mean, Russ had been with OKC for his entire career before this season. He knew what Billy Donovan would, would probably call. So, in word, quoting Russ, I tried to muck it up. End quote. Russ mucks it up indeed. OKC, as I said, Lou Dort scored 30 points, a playoff career high. He was a rookie. Career high. He's making three-pointers. He did everything for OKC. Problem was, he was much of the offense for OKC. Dennis Schroeder was just 5 for 17 from the floor. Chris Paul finished the game with a triple-double. But down the stretch, Eric Gordon picked his pocket. Russell Westbrook deflected one of CP's passes. After Chris Paul missed an eight-foot jumper with roughly a minute and change left, Chris Paul didn't take a shot. Hall of Fame point guard, you need to be the one doing all those things for offense, carrying the team over the finish line. That's all right for Rockets fans. They, didn't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't care. James Harden after the game, quote, I came up with a big block to win the game, end quote. He sure as hell did. Like I said, he struggled making shots. Fans, media were questioning what's wrong with Harden. Offensively, he admitted after the game he played like shit. But he did not let that poor offensive performance stop him from playing defense down the stretch and making a huge block on Lou Dort to seal the win for the Rockets. Lastly, quote from Mike D'Antoni, just the will to win is what's important. It's never going to be pretty, but it's a great win for us for sure. End quote. Game one, Rockets Lakers, Friday evening, September 4th, 8 p.m. on ESPN. Some numbers from the regular season matchups between the Rockets and the Lakers. You can pretty much toss these out. They played three times. Not to denigrate the Rockets for winning two of the three, but it's the playoffs. Playoffs is different basketball. Rockets lost the first matchup 112, excuse me, 124, 115 in January. They won next one, 121, 111, February 6th. And then in the bubble on August 6th, they won the game 113, 97. Rockets outscored the Lakers in those three games an average of 116 to 110. But L.A. shot 47.9% to the Rockets, 45.9%. The Lakers rebounded the Rockets by about six rebounds per game. Houston made more than twice as many threes, 52 to 22, in the three games. They shot 38.2% from three-point range, while the Lakers 
shot 26.5% from behind the arc. That three-point percentage is going to be, I think, a big, big factor in this series in determining who wins. Lakers got to make some threes. They got to shoot a high percentage of those threes. 26.5% will not get it done versus the Rockets. L.A. averaged 4.7 more free throw attempts in the three games, but they only shot 71.4% from the line, while Houston shot 84.3% from the foul line. That could be another factor. Will LeBron James, who has struggled from the foul line, especially in fourth quarters of games this season, will that be a big factor? LeBron and A.D. get to the line, but getting there is one thing. You still got to make them. L.A. averaged 11 offensive boards to Houston 7. Rockets had... 66 assists in the three games to, 20, to 56 turnovers. Lakers averaged 25.3 assists and recorded an assist on 61% of their field goal buckets. LA averaged 11.3 steals and 6.3 blocks, while the Rockets averaged 9 steals and 4.3 blocks. In the two games that he played versus the Lakers, Russ averaged 38 points a game on 62.7% shooting from the floor, 8.5 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 steals. He did have 13 turnovers in the two games. To his credit, in the two games, he only took two three-point shots. That's the good Russ. That's the great Russ that the Rockets need. Russ does not need to jack up threes versus the Lakers. Attack the basket, do what you do, be relentless, get up the floor, push that pace, finish at the rim. Don't settle for threes. James Harden, 29 points a game on 44.9% field goal shooting, including 32% from three-point range. He also averaged 8.7 assists, 7 boards, and 6.3 turnovers uh, in the three games. He took over half of the Rockets' free throws. He shot 35 of 37 from the foul line. Eric Gordon averaged 14 points per game versus the Lakers on 41.7% field goal shooting, but 47.1% from three-point range. Eric only had one turnover in the two games that he played. Daniel House, 12.3 points per game versus the Lakers, but just 28.6% shooting from three-point range. Robert Covington, in his two games versus L.A. with the Rockets, averaged 11 points on 50% field goal shooting. He was 6 for 11 from three. Average seven boards, three assists, 2.5 steals, and two blocks. Ben McLemore. We shall see if Ben McLemore will get off the bench versus the Lakers because his defense or his lack of defense versus OKC kept him on the bench in games six and seven. But versus LA, Ben averaged 11.3 points per game in just 23 minutes of action. He shot nine of 20 from three-point range in the games versus LA. Austin Rivers, who struggled versus OKC. Versus the Lakers, he averaged 9.5 points on 29.4% field goal shooting, just 4 for 12 from 3 in his two games versus the Lakers. Jeff Green only played one game versus LA. It was the game earlier in August. He scored 15 points. P.J. Tucker, 8 points a game on 7-14 three-point shooting, as well as 6.7 rebounds. A.D., Got to be huge versus the shorter P.J. Tucker. A.D. versus the Rockets. 24.5 points per game on 65.5% field goal shooting. 12.5 boards, 3 dimes, 1.5 steals, 2 blocks. He did have 3.5 turnovers per game 
in the two games he played. He did not attempt a three-point shot versus the Rockets in the two games that he played. LeBron, 24.5 points per game on 47.7% shooting from the floor. He was just 3 for 15 from three-point range. He averaged 13.5 assists per game, seven boards, two steals, and six turnovers in the two games that he played. He had just six free throws in those two games. Kyle Kuzma, 16 points a game for L.A., just four for 16 from three. Danny Green, 15 points per game, seven for 13 from three. KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 11.3 points per game, but he was just one for nine from three versus the Rockets. And former Rocket Dwight Howard with 8.7 rebounds per game versus the Rockets. Three-point shooting will be huge. KCP got to shoot better than 11% from three-point range for the Lakers to win. Kyle Kuzma got to shoot better than 25% from three for the Lakers to win. So those are some of the numbers from the three, two regular season, then one seeding matchup that the Rockets and Lakers had this season. I'm picking the Lakers to win the series. Six, seven. I'm going to go six. Let's, let's say six. I did predict OKC to beat the Rockets in seven, kind of mostly based on Russ, Russ's uh, iffy injury status. But the Rockets proved me wrong. Rockets versus L.A. in the second round, starting Friday evening, September 4th, 8 p.m., nationally on ESPN. And while we're talking about ESPN, ESPN announced on September 3rd that the telecast of the Rockets OKC ball game, game seven, generated 4.106,000, so 4.1 million viewers, making it the most watched 2020 NBA playoff game so far across any network. That is according to Nielsen ratings. The Rockets telecast was the most watched game across all of television for September 2nd in every key adult and male demographic, including the 18 to 34, 18 to 49, and 25 to 59 age groups. Those are facts. Some folks choose not to deal with facts. 4.1 million viewers for the Rockets OKC Game 7. Pac-12 announces announced groundbreaking testing research initiative with Quidel. It's a rapid results test which could speed the return of sport competitions for the Pac-12 members. September 3rd, the arrangement with Quidel will provide for frequent testing with rapid results, which had been one of the key concerns in the prior decision by the Pac-12 to postpone sport competition. The testing will also significantly reduce the number of contact traces required and the breadth of contact tracing required with the goal of relieving some of the burden on local health authorities as a result of removing or significantly limiting the spread of infection through athletics activity. Any return to competition is, of course, subject to requisite approvals from public health officials in the cities, states, counties of those member schools. Quidel's, let me spell it right because I might be pronouncing it incorrectly. Quidel, Q-U-I-D-E-L. Quidel, Sophia, two testing machines and tests are expected to be delivered to each of the Pac-12's 
athletic departments by the end of this month. Over the coming weeks, the Pac-12 plans to review this latest testing breakthrough with its sport planning committees and then evaluate the impact on return to competition scenarios. At the time, the Pac-12 group voted to postpone sport competitions last month. They cited the need for more frequent testing performed closer to game time and with more rapid turnaround time particularly in light of the uncertainties regarding the long-term effects of COVID-19. The access to daily testing addresses those concerns, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott noted. Also, keep in mind, this is an agreement between Quidel and the Pac-12, not Quidel and any other conference. So the other conferences, if they want to be a part of this or make this uh, arrangement, have to contact Quiddell directly. So keep that in mind. So this is a deal for Pac-12 member schools only. So also, also September 3rd, John Morant, Memphis Grizzlies guard, Ricky Guard was named the 2019-2020 NBA Rookie of the Year. The 6-3 guard, is the second player to win the Rookie of the Year award with the Grizzlies, joining Pau Gasol in the 2001-2002 season. Ja received 99 of the possible first place votes from a panel of 100 sports writers and broadcasters to earn 498 total points out of a possible 500 total points. Miami Heat guard Kendrick Nunn finished in second place with 204 points. New Orleans Pelicans forward Zion Williamson received one first place vote and finished in third place with 140 points. Players were awarded, excuse me, players were awarded five points for each first place vote, three points for each second place vote, and one point for each third place vote. The voting was conducted based on regular season games played through March 11th. That means the seeding games did not count. The seeding games, which were played July 30th through August 14th, as part of the restart, did not count toward voting for the Rookie of the Year award or the other traditional end-of-season awards. From the beginning of the season through March 11th, Ja led all qualified NBA rookies in scoring with 17.6 points per game and assists, 6.9 assists per game. And he shot 49.1% from the floor in the 59 games that he played. During that period, Job was one of three NBA players to average at least 17 points and six assists and shoot 49% or better from the floor. Joining LeBron James and Nikola Jokic, the Joker of the Nuggets. September 1st, the WNBA announced its awards for the month of August. I'm going to run these down real quick <coughs> as my voice begins to fade. Crystal Dangerfield of the Minnesota Lynx was named the NBA Rookie of the Month for August. She averaged 18.1 points, 3.5 assists, and two rebounds per game in August. Former Detroit Pistons bad boy. Well, he's always a bad boy. Once a bad boy, always a bad boy. 
Bill Lambeer of the Las Vegas Aces led the Aces to an 11-1 record during the month of August and was named WNBA Coach of the Month for August. Courtney Vandersloot of the Chicago Sky helped lead the Sky to a 9-5 record in August, averaged 13.6 points per game, 9.5 assists per game, and 1.3 steals per game, and earned Eastern Conference Player of the Month honors. Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces Averaged 20.3 points per game, 8.3 boards per game, and 2.2 blocks per game to be named the Western Conference Player of the Month. Keep in mind, reminder, listen to or watch Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBCU Athletics, and his co-hosts Mike Washington and Charles Bishop each Tuesday on Facebook, or go to the YouTube channel at Inside the HBCU Sports to watch their shows. You can also catch the show on Houston Round Ball Review Radio during the week from 8 to 10 p.m. I'm going to wrap it up. You can catch more of my one-on-one podcast as well as my interview podcast on the podcast platform such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn, as well as on Houston Roundball Review Radio at roundballreviewradio.airtime.pro. If you haven't already seen or listened to my interview with Nina King, the chair of the NTA Division I Women's Basketball Committee, you can go to my YouTube channel, Houston Roundball Review, to watch it or go to one of the podcast platforms to listen to it. Of the Houston Roundball Review, please visit my website at houstonroundballreview.com for articles and links to my podcasts and videos. While you're at the site, please support the HRR by contributing via PayPal, or you can use the Cash App, which is my government name, Christopher Gardner, K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can also sign up via links on my website to get the Disney bundle, which includes Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, and Hulu. You'll save 25% when you bundle all three. The popular anime series One Punch Man is available on Hulu, as well as Rest in Peace Chadwick Boseman, as well as Black Panther is available on Disney+. Plus. So if you missed it on TBS or ABC this past weekend, you can watch it on Disney+, Plus at your convenience. The Houston Round Ball Review has been around since 1994. Houston Round Ball Review Radio is another avenue for me to share news and info with you. Remember, the Houston Round Ball Review. Local name, national perspective. Thank you for your time. Take care.